message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Now, let us go into the Word. Now, this week we had Bible seminar. All right, in the Bible seminar, uh, we had a Bible seminar on pneumatology. That's things concerning the Spirit. So I'm just going to be teaching on where um, I didn't, you know, continue from where I stopped in a way, all right, because there's so much, you know, to actually get to and to, you know, see from the Word. Hallelujah. Now, turn your Bible to John 3 and verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world, are we there? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have what? But have what? Talk to me, have what? Everlasting life. Now, it means that believing in Jesus, all right, results in us having everlasting life. Now, how many of us agree that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for what? For righteousness. So that means if Abraham believed God and got something called righteousness because he believed, and if I believe now in the New Testament, I have something called eternal life. Then in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible calls the promise of Abraham what? The spirit. It means that Righteousness equals what? The spirit equals eternal life. So that means all of those terminologies are actually different words used to communicate the same essence. Eternal life is the presence of the spirit of God in the life of a man forever. That is, the man is a temple of God, temple of God forever. Righteousness means that the man has right standing with God forever, and because he has right standing with God forever, the spirit of God dwells in this man forever. Now let's look at Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 1. Remember the backdrop of what we have been saying for the past couple of weeks. We have said... All right, that Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 was not a scientific rendition of how God created the heavens and the earth. That Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 was God talking about his plan and his purpose, all right, which he had proposed in Christ Jesus, which was that all men are to conform to the image of the Son. Okay, every man that is born of the natural order of Adam is supposed to be conformed to the order of the heavenly man which is Christ Jesus. We saw that Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 was a picture of the chaos, the confusion, the emptiness, the vanity of the world without Jesus Christ, without the light of the gospel. Then we saw that in verse 3 of Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 6, we have seen, or we saw, that the light in Genesis was what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the world, in the face of Jesus Christ. And the release of that light resulted in the separation of light and darkness of day and night. And we were able to see in that in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, that the believer. The man who has believed is a child of the day and not a child of the what? Of the night. I'm remember that? 
How many of you remember that? And we saw that the entire story of redemption is a translation from what? Death to what? To life. From what? Darkness to what? To light. All right. From the flesh to the what? To the spirit. So it is a movement from one place to the other. And we were able to see that in types and shadows, all right, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of movement from one place to the other. God told Abraham, all right, come out of your father's house, come out of your kindred to a land that I will what? That I will show you. He spoke to the nation of Israel. He says, come out of Egypt, all right, to the land that I promised what? Father Abraham. So there was always a transition. When we're talking about the redemption story, we always find an exodus happening in that an, a man called Abraham with his family was to leave a, 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 uh, a Chaldea and move toward a land God promised him. And the nation of Israel was to leave an Egypt and go to all right, the land that was promised to Abraham. Then we were able to see that the promise that God made to Abraham that we see in the Old Testament as a land and we see it as real estate that the substance of it is what is what the spirit the spirit because Galatians 3 verse 14 tells us that the promise of Abraham is what is the spirit let's look at the Galatians 3 and verse 13 Galatians 3 13 and 14 Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Mm. Are we there? All right, what does it say? Christ has redeemed from the cross of the Lord, being what? For it is written what? Uh-huh. Then the next verse now says that, that the blessing of what? Abraham, my what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what is the blessing of Abraham? The promise of what? Of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, it was presented as the land flowing with milk and honey. All right? But the land flowing with milk and honey was what? A figure of speech used to refer to the Spirit. So when God says, um, leave your father's house, leave your mother's house, uh, and go to a land that I will show you, all right, that land that God was referring to actually was himself. He was saying, listen, Abraham, I want you to be my temple. I want you, all right, to be indwelt by me. So you find that every single time, even during that transition, Abraham would always want to build a place or call the place the habitation of God. So you found that he named the place, all right, Bethel, all right. Jacob also, all right, changed the name of Luz to Bethel. Bethel is what? The house of God. Showing us what God's plan was. God was looking for a family of people to inhabit, a family of people to make his own temple. So you find that David now had a desire to build God a temple. Look at First Chronicles chapter number 28. Let's look at that quickly. First Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles 28. Now, I want us to read from verse 1 so that we can see something there. Because First Chronicles actually has a lot of typology in it. Okay? Because after we look at that, then we will now move into the Spirit, the Spirit teaching itself. 
First Chronicles 20, look at verse 1. It says, And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king and of his sons, with the officers and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of the rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Now, if many folks actually think that the reason why God said, Don't build a house for me, David, was because David was someone who had committed murder. And God said, Oh, I can't deal with someone that has committed murder. No, that's not what he's saying. All right? Because everything God does, he does in accordance to his purpose. Okay? He does it in accordance with his purpose. The reason why God tells, all right, David, do not build me a house, okay? You're going to see it now, okay? Because the Bible was written to reveal God's plan of salvation through faith. So when God chose men in the Old Testament, he didn't choose them based on their performance. He chose them based on his purpose. Glory to God. All right? He didn't choose them based on their performance. He chose them based on his purpose. And that's something interesting I want you to note, everybody here. All right? Don't ever envy how God uses somebody. You see someone God is using as an apostle or a prophet or a teacher or whatever. Never get envious of how God uses somebody. The reason why you must never get envious of how God uses somebody is because God did not call that person because that person was good or better than you. God called that person because that person fits God's purpose for what he wants to do. It's like this. If you have, um, uh, if you have a nail and you want to kind of like nail something, how many of you look for a spoon? How many of you look for a spoon? No, you look for a hammer. Is that correct? Why? Because the hammer is designed to help you to knock. You understand? But if you want to eat rice, do you take the hammer? No. Glory to God. You look for what? A spoon. Because the purpose determines the call. So God calls men and women in accordance to his purpose. How they fit into his plan. You may fit in a small way and that person may fit in a huge way. It does not influence how God is going to reward all right, either person. So the reward for the hammer is that it knocks the nail in. And the reward for the spoon is that when we put it inside rice, it carries the rice and puts it in our mouth. Are you following what I'm talking about? So it is accordance in accordance with purpose. So the man who is standing in front of a crowd ministering to one million people at the same time, God's purpose, all right, the calling of God to do that fits God's purpose, God's agenda. So when God created that man, he created him to purpose, that purpose. All right, he might not have created you to that. Don't now try to say, oh, I want to fit into God's purpose like that man, rather than finding out what is God wanting to do with me, what am I fit for purpose for? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Very, very important. All right? All right? Very, very, very important. So now let's continue reading. Hallelujah. 
So never look at whatever it is you are doing for God and think it's small. It's not small. It is accordance in accordance to the purpose. All right? You can have a door and hinges. No matter how big a door is, it turns on what? Small hinges. If the hinges are not present, will the door work? No. Praise the Lord. You will not understand how powerful small things are until you have a small stone in your shoe. Glory to God. Small stone in your shoe. Look at the ant. God has a purpose for that ant. Look at bees. I mean, if I have wondered, what purpose can God have for bees? Honey. Without bees, you don't get honey. So it doesn't matter who you are. There's a plan. There is a purpose for God creating you. And there's a role you have to play, all right, in the scheme of things. What you have to do is stay in your place and fulfill God's plan, all right, all right, in accordance to the purpose he made you for. Glory to God. Glory to God. So let the Honda glory in that he is a Honda and not call himself a Mercedes. Glory to God. Let the Lexus glory that he is a Lexus and not call himself a Toyota. Let the Toyota glory that is a Toyota and not say, I am a uh, Range Rover. No, just you get. Fulfill your plan. Fulfill God's purpose. All right. Find out, God, what, what, what did you create me to do? What am I fit for? And just do it. Glory to God. If he didn't call you an evangelist, don't call yourself one. I remember I was talking to one lady. And I was asking her. I said, okay, she said, Mini, she's called to Mini. I said, fine, good. I said, so tell me, have you spoken to God about me? She said, yes. She said, yes. And, and I said, I want you to take some time to pray. That's why I told her, I said, I want to take some time to pray. And she was in a hurry. God called me a prophet to the nations. I said, calm down, go and pray. Do you know the reason why I always tell people, whenever I come to me and say, God told me I'm an apostle, I always say, go and pray. Because most times, people always take up ministry titles that is popular at the time. If evangelist is popular, everybody begins to hear God that they are evangelists. Praise God. You know what is raining now? Prophets. Glory to God. So most times you say, oh, God has called me a prophetess, a prophet, you understand? In, to the nations. You understand? Where are they getting it from? Because, you know, everybody is calling themselves a prophet these days. So everybody wants to take on that title. Because they feel that, except they are prophets, nobody takes them seriously. But the problem now is that if you are not a prophet, you are not a prophet. Glory to God. A spoon is a spoon. You, a spoon cannot say, I'm a broom. No matter how the spoon say, I'm a broom, does it make it a broom? No, it can't sweep. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. All right, find out what you are fit for in the Lord and stay there and fulfill God's plan there. Praise God. Amen. I know that whenever digressions like that happen, it is for a reason. <laughs> Amen. Now look how it says. It said, But God said, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of one and a shed blood. Verse 4. Everybody read. It says, What? I'll be the Lord God of Israel, chose me before all the house of my father to be king over what? Israel forever. Ah! To be king over Israel for. Now, how many of you know that when you start seeing a man saying he will be something forever, you know that, and it's in the scriptures, we all know that, that it's not talking about that man. You know it's not talking about that man because there's no how a man is going to be anything forever. Okay? Now, it now says, be king of Israel forever, all right? For he had chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. <laughs> he liked me. Hallelujah. And of all my sons, for the Lord had given me many sons, he had chosen what? Solomon. Now, what does Solomon mean? Solomon means peace. 
That's what it means. It means peace, basically. That's what it means. All right? Son of peace. All right? That's what Solomon means. Okay? Peace. So he said he has chosen Solomon. So David was a man that fought a lot and went to the battle and killed a lot of people. Solomon was a person of what? Of peace. Now, why is that significant? All right? In that God says Solomon is to build the house. Build the temple, which was a typology, hallelujah, all right, is because the person who is going to build the true tabernacle, glory to God, he's going to be called what? The prince of what? Of peace. That's Jesus. Because Jesus, who is the builder of the true tabernacle, is actually what? A prince of peace. Is one that's going to bring an end to all what? All uh, the condemnation of sin is going to bring a, an end to death. So he is peace. He is not a man like David. He is a man like what? Solomon. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this? Come on, are you seeing this? Now let's continue reading. He now says, um, verse 6, And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. Now notice verse 6. Notice, he said, and he said unto me, that means he said unto David, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house. He shall build my what? My house. And my what? And my courts. For I have chosen him to be what? My what? This is God talking. I have chosen Solomon to be what? My son. And I will be what? I will be what? His father. How many of you know we are not talking about Solomon here? God says, Solomon, thy son. Then he now says, Solomon, my son. Praise God. All right? How do we know he's not Solomon? Let's continue reading. He says, for I have chosen him to be my son, and he will be his father. And I will be his father. Look at verse 7. Moreover, I will establish what? His kingdom what? Forever. Was Solomon's kingdom established forever? No. There was a time the kingdom and the dynasty of Solomon was overthrown. So it means that we are talking about who Solomon what represents. Glory to God. Who Solomon what represented, which is what Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'm going to see, all right, where Jesus talks about him building the temple. All right, it now says, I will establish his kingdom forever if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgment as at this day. So Solomon after the flesh didn't, but Solomon after the spirit is Christ Jesus did that. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, and because he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, dominion was given to him. All right, now um, we now find that God tells us, Oh, David, build um, this house. Tell and mandate Solomon to build me a temple. They built this temple. The Bible tells us that it was overlaid with gold. There were a lot of bells and whistles. It was the greatest building ever. Hallelujah. Greatest building ever. They said it was built for God. But guess what? God said, I cannot dwell in houses made with what? With hands. So that means though it was built for God, God didn't live inside. Hallelujah. Then now look at what Jesus tells us in St. John's Gospel. Hallelujah. God, he tells us in St. John's Gospel. Chapter number 2. And 18. The Pharisees and Sadducees asked Jesus for a sign. John 2, 18. Can we read what does he say? Eh? 
Uh-huh. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy what? So now listen, Jesus stood in front of Solomon's temple. Hallelujah. He stood in front of what? Now, all right, to be, for us to be accurate, the temple of Solomon, all right, to an extent was damaged after Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem. Okay, so the temple of Solomon was actually rebuilt over 46 years by Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Jewish captives that returned from Babylon. So they rebuilt it, and it took 46 years, but it was still the temple of Solomon. And Jesus stands in front of the temple and says, destroy this temple. And in three days, are we what? Are we raise it up? Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and without rear it up in three days. Everybody 21, he says what? But he spake, but he what? Speak of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had what said. So which scripture did they now believe? They now understood that the building of the temple of Solomon, glory to God, that David was mandated to build was actually the body of the Lord. Glory to God. Now listen, the believer has now been made a member of that body of the Lord. We are now what? The temple of the living God because we are a member of the body of Christ. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4. Is it Ephesians 4 or 5? Let me, let me see. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. Look at it. Notice. What is the temple of the Lord? What is the temple of the Lord? The body of Christ. Is that correct? What is the temple of the Lord? Church, now talk to me. What is the temple of the Lord? The body of Christ. So the body of Christ is the temple of the Lord. So that means the tabernacle of Moses, what was he pointing to? The temple of the Lord. The temple of Solomon, what was he pointing to? The temple of the Lord. So the Lord's temple is what all those edifices pointed to. Hmm. So guys, you know, in the Old Testament, eh? <laughs> you hear, and the glory of the Lord filled the building, right? The glory of the Lord filled the building. The, the priest could not enter into it. Then in, uh, uh, in Exodus, you see, there was cloud of fire, pillar, and smoke. You know, a lot of physical manifestations. But is it not instructive that even though Moses saw all of that, he saw all of the smoke, saw all of the earthquake, all right? And the Bible says that Moses trembled and feared. Is that correct? This happened in Exodus 20. Why then in Exodus 33 
Does Moses now come and say, show me your glory? Ah, How can you say in, in Exodus 20, 21, that when I went to the mount to receive the Lord, the glory of the Lord descended on the mount? Glory to God. Then there was pillar, there was, there was uh, smoke, and there was earthquake, and all of that. Then you now turn around Exodus 33, 18, and say, show me your glory. He said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. <laughs> it meant Moses knew that the glory of the Lord was not in those things. Glory to God. Moses knew that the glory of the Lord was not in the earthquake. The glory of the Lord was not in the shaking. The glory of God was not in the fire. It's like in the book of um, 1 Kings. We have in 1 Kings, I think chapter 19 or 20, when Elijah was running away from Jezebel. Right? Then he says, Lord, kill me. I'm not better than my fathers. Because, you know, Jezebel was after him. Now let me tell you something about Jezebel. Some people don't understand who Jezebel was. I was chatting with, I think it was uh, on Twitter. Somebody was saying that Jezebel was just, she was a woman who was a pagan. And that because the Bible was patriarchal, that was why the Bible presented her the way it was. That there was nothing Jezebel did that other men in the Bible didn't do. You know, you know this woke stuff. People, you know, some people, people don't like to be woke. You know, some, stuff like that. I was like, huh, interesting. I was like, huh. So the new American or English version of the Bible says that she was just a pagan. So I showed that from the King James version that no, she was a witch. There's a difference between a pagan and a what? And a witch. Now let me tell you something about this, but you need to understand. There were prophets of Baal. Okay? These prophets of Baal were necromancers. What they did was that they conjured spirits and revealed what those spirits, what, like a babalawo, you understand? You know, like a babalawo, like a diviner. Okay? That's who the prophets of Baal were. No. Jezebel was a witch, she was their senior. You must understand something, brethren. Let me give you the CV of Prophet Elijah. Just some CV. When you are talking about Elijah, Elijah is, when you say Naman, Elijah is a man. In the things of the spirit, he's a man. He was no child. So think about it. Elijah single-handedly, Right? Brought the whole nation of Israel back to the worship of God. How? He says they should call all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. There were 450. The 400 prophets of Baal, 450 uh, prophets of Baalim. All right? They were like 850 total. But we, we see that he, you know, he killed 400. Now, he comes and says, listen. First, before then, he says, he prays and says, rain is not going to fall on this land. Except by my word. So that means this guy prays, locks up the heavens, takes the key and the padlock, he throws it away. He said, not, look, rain is not falling here. And he did that in accordance to the law of Moses. Because according to the law of Moses, when the people of Israel depart, 
there were certain things that were to happen. Those things were not happening. So Moses, uh, what is his name? Um, Moses, uh, Elijah, now took our intercession against Israel. And said, uh-uh. the law of Moses states this. Then he goes to pray. Lord, the law of Moses says this must happen. I want to bring these people back. One, one day we will look at that, but it's not today. Then he goes. There was no rain. Then, after three and a half years, he goes to meet the king. He said, King, you want there to be rain, right? Oh, yeah, let's, let's see what we can do. He said, good, call all the prophets of Baal. I want to, let us have a test of who is the real God. Then he says, the God that answers the fire, let him be what? Be the God. Those ones were praying, praying. He now began to mock them. Pray harder. Pray harder. Because, you see, he could have gone to the toilet. Or he may be seeing somebody off. So that's why I cannot hear you. Now make no mistake about it. That demonic spirit behind the idol called Baal could cause fire to come from heaven. But you see, Elijah had taken care of the spirits. He had neutralized that spirit. So he knew there would be no manifestation. So don't think for a moment fire could not come down because those guys... No, they would not have prayed if they didn't believe fire would come down. They knew how to bring fire. Ah, uh-uh. people that you know, people that are worshiping Thor and Shango. You think the Shango worshippers they are they are playing? They think they don't know how to bring fire. They know how to do it too. They are demonic, you know, so they knew how to do it. So nothing happens. Then Elijah called down fire from heaven, and that fire roasted all the sacrifice. And all Israel said, "The Lord is God. The Lord is God." This is the Elijah we're talking about. Then he commanded for them to kill all the prophets of Baal in accordance with the law of Moses. Because the law of Moses stated that anyone who was a medium, a necromancer, a witch, should be killed. Amen. So it was, Elijah was not doing anything that the law of Moses did not command. He did all of that, senior man of God. In fact, there was a time they sent 102 soldiers to come and arrest and kill him. Elijah stood on top of a mountain and called down fire twice and roasted them. He said, if I be a man of God. Now, when that Elijah heard, because Jezebel sent him a text message and said, look, I heard what you did with the prophet. He said, if you are not like one of them, then no me, my papa bomb you. That man of God, I just gave you a CV, heard the word from Jezebel and he ran away. Are you following? He ran away. And the woman was just a beggar. He ran. He didn't just run. He went into serious depression, severe depression. And said, I'm not better than my father's. Because of what Jezebel said. She was a senior. Do you understand? You know someone? A senior witch. Hmm. The prophets were her boys. She was a senior witch. She, Jezebel was someone who combined witchcraft with feminine wiles. You understand feminine wiles? You understand? Feminine wiles. Glory to God. May you not see Jezebel in Jesus' name. <laughs> Brothers, Jezebel is bad. I said Jezebel is bad. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Jezebel, the leg will be long with um, what the high heel. Every shape, the skirt, everything like that. You think it's just babe. Hey, 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 brother, it's not babe. Ah, that's Jezebel. 
the man ran. And he started going into the wilderness. <laughs> the Lord to accommodate his faith, led him where? To the wilderness. He was afraid because that woman was not just a woman. He faced Ahab face to face, but ran from Jezebel. Glory to God. Amen. We'll look at that sometime, some other time. Jezebel. Hmm. But what I wonder if you see was this. While he was in the cave, God appeared to him, or there was a move of God around the place. The Bible says that there was noise. God was not in the noise, right? Then there was um, shaking. God was not in the shaking. There was all sorts. God was not in all sorts. But the voice of the Lord came to him like a what? A still, small voice. Showing you that the glory of God is not in the drama. Hallelujah. Moses, despite seeing all of that cloud, and all, he says, show me your glory. Because the glory of God is in the person of who? Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. For he is the what? Image of the what? Invisible God. He is the image of the invincible God. The firstborn of every word, creature. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 calls him the effulgence of God's glory and the express image of his word, of his person. So when Moses says, show me your glory, he was asking to see Christ. He was asking to understand the essence. He was asking to understand who the Messiah was. He was asking to understand the reason for existence, Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I said, glory to God. So, the man, Jesus, that is the temple. That's the temple of God. Then I said, you should open where? Ephesians what? Five. All right. And let us read from verse 25 to 30. Ephesians 5, 25 to 30. What does he say? He says what? If you are there, can we read? Husband loves your wives, even as Christ also what? Loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh huh. Next verse, it says what? Uh huh. And cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 27 now says what? That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 28 says what? So ought men to love your wives as their own body. See that loveth his wife, loveth himself. 29. It says what? For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it even as the Lord the church. 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So that means if the Lord is the temple, hallelujah, that God wanted built, it means that because we are members of his body, we are what? His temple. We are the temple of God. So a man is a temple of God if he is a member of the body of Christ. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? All right. The man is a temple. A member is a temple of God if he is a member of the temple of uh, a member of the body of Christ. Now look at First Corinthians three sixteen and First Corinthians six sixteen. For we are First Corinthians three sixteen. Can we look at it? Knowing not that your bodies are the temple of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now, and notice, it is because our bodies are members of Jesus, members of the body of Christ, that is why what has happened to the body of Jesus is what's going to happen to us. 
So just as the body of Jesus was resurrected from the dead, our bodies will be resurrected what? From the dead. Because as he is, so are we, we are in this world. All right? Know ye not that ye are what? The temple of God, and that the Spirit of God does what? So the indwelling of the Spirit, according to Galatians 3.14, is the what? The blessing of Abraham. Now let us now delve in into this indwelling of the Spirit. Now look at St. John's Gospel chapter 7 and verse 36 to 37. John 7, 36 and 37. Very interesting scripture. It says, what man of saying is, what man of saying is this, that he said, you shall seek me. John 7, 36, okay. You seek me and shall not find me. Where I am, Tita, you cannot come. Look at 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man test, let him come unto me and what? Drink. 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall what? Flow rivers of what? Living waters. Next verse. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, what? should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet what? glorified. So, the giving of the Holy Ghost is the proof of the glorification of Jesus. The indwelling of the Spirit is the proof of the what? The glorification of Jesus. And the glorification of Jesus was only going to happen when Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law and the righteous requirement of the Abrahamic covenant. Praise the Lord. As I praise the Lord. So because of the indwelling of the Spirit, we know we have arrived at our Canaan. We know that we have arrived at the, pro, uh, at the promised land. Now the question is, now that the Spirit of God is within us, what does this mean to us? What does it mean for us? Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. What does it mean? It says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is what? Come upon you. Now what is power? Power is the dynamic ability to cause changes. That power is within you now. Amen. That power is where? Within you now. Is within you now. Power within you. We see examples of the manifestation of this power in Acts 3 and verse 1. Look at what the power was able to do. Acts 3 verse 1. All right. Paul and, uh, sorry, Peter and John. At the time of prayer, go into the temple, all right? He said, and Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, all right? Next verse, verse 2 says, um, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask arms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 3 says what? And John about to go into the temple, asked an arms. Next verse. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Okay, look on us. Look on us. Look on us. Now, the man who is a, the man who is a recipient of the life of God, the man who is a member of the body of Christ, is the focus of the move of God. It means that the, 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 the Holy Ghost, the power of God, is not around him alone. It is what? In him. So it says, look on us, look on us, 
Pay attention to us. He didn't say look to heaven. He said look on us. Look here. Next verse. And Peter fast inside. Look on us. Verse 5. Now says what? And he gave it unto them, expecting to receive something of them. So he was in a receptive mood, all right, expecting to receive something of them. And he gave it unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and what? And walk. So you find that Peter ministered such as he had. So he said, Such as I have give I thee. What did Peter have? Peter had the Holy Ghost. Peter had what? The Holy Ghost. And the, the, the presence of the Holy Ghost in Peter, glory to God, became the power of God manifested in this man's body that effected what? A healing. Are you following what I'm saying here? So you can see now, the power is not distant. The power is not away. The power is now resident in the believer. Tell that the power of God. Is in me now. The Spirit of God is in me now. I have the Holy Ghost. Lord, I have the Holy Ghost. Now, listen. Now, we have the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, we are told the nine manifestations of that one Spirit. Nine manifestations. There are nine manifestations. And we have three classifications of those nine manifestations. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And if you look at from verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And you look at from verse 4. It says, now there are diversities of gifts. But what? The same spirit. The same spirit. Have you noticed something? That the spirit is emphasized a lot in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. You notice that? The spirit, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, the spirit, the spirit. You find that that word spirit, in the spirit, all right, in Christ, all of those things are emphasized a lot. In fact, another way of saying in spirit is in Christ. So it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the philosophy of flesh. It's the same thing as saying walk in Christ and you shall not fulfill the philosophy of flesh. Praise God. All right? So it says, and there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Let me also say, say this. The gift of God to the world is Christ Jesus. But the gift of Christ to his church is his Holy Spirit. The gift of God to the world is Christ Jesus. God gave Jesus to the world. But those in the world that receive Jesus are the ones that receive what? The Holy Spirit. Amen. So no man can receive the Holy Spirit outside of the person of what? Of Jesus. You cannot say, I have the Spirit of God and say, I don't have Jesus. No. That Spirit, we have to put a question mark on it. Because you cannot have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, without having Jesus. Because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. Glory to God. Now, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, verse 5, it says what? Now, there are diversities of admission, but the same Lord. All right. Uh, let's go to verse 8. Because I'm not trying to explain the workings of the gifts in the ministries. I want to just go into the gifts itself. He said, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another what? The word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Notice that the emphasis of the manifestations is the Spirit. Because all of those manifestations are where? In the Spirit. You do not have the manifestations outside of the Spirit. So you cannot say, I have the word of wisdom. No, what you have is the Spirit. The word of wisdom is one of the manifestations of what? Of the Spirit. So the focus should be the Spirit and not the manifestations. 
Because many times you find people say, oh, their focus is on the different gifts, forgetting that the gifts are not, they don't walk, the, the, the gifts are a manifestation of the person of the Spirit. Glory to God. And we must not hinder all right, what God wants to do through us. What we have is the Spirit. Say, Allah, what I have is the Spirit. All right, it says, um, for to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Not another spirit, but the same spirit. Amen. Next verse. It now says what? To another faith by the what? By the same spirit. To another the gifts of healing what? By what? The same spirit. The same spirit. Glory to God. Then next verse. It now says, um, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another what? Design of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 11 now says, all this. Walk at that one and what? Self same spirit. So that means all of these things are the workings of the spirit. Listen, the spirit that is our promised land. Hallelujah. So the man who has arrived at the spirit, the man who has received the spirit, hallelujah, has received God's greatest blessing. God's greatest blessing the spirit because this man is god's temple now you see when we say that you have received the spirit we are also saying that you have been made one with the spirit first corinthians chapter number 6 16 turn in there first corinthians chapter number 6 and 16 you have been made one with the holy spirit one one essence one person one substance with the spirit one. So if you have been made one with the Spirit, it would mean that the presence of God is not far from you. The presence of God is one with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the believer is not seeking God's presence. Glory to God. The believer is the one to manifest God's presence. The believer is not seeking God's glory. The believer is to express God's glory. To show forth the praises. To show it forth. To make it visible. Hallelujah. To make it visible. Look at it. It says, what? Know you not that he which is joined to an other is one body. For two say it shall, said he shall become, shall be one flesh. Next verse. But he that is what? Joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. So if you are joined unto the Lord in the new birth, you are what? One spirit. It means that the Holy Ghost is already where is always where you are. You are always where He is. Hallelujah. So you cannot be singing, cast me not away from thy presence. You were born in the presence. You are born of the presence. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, that's where the presence is. Amen. That's the blessing of Abraham. So we don't wait for the Spirit to come. We wait with the Spirit to know what the Spirit is saying to us. Hallelujah. So we wait with the Spirit. We pray with the Spirit. We sing with the Spirit. We don't sing so the Spirit will come. No, we sing in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We talk in the Spirit. We do it in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. 
So there is a new way to walk now. Those who are not born again, all right, they only have one way to walk, and that's flesh. Those who are saved, we have a new way to walk. That's what? The Spirit in Christ. The blessing of Abraham. Praise God. I said praise God. Now let's look at, touch on this Galatians chapter 5. The character of the Spirit. Because the, 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 when we're talking about the Spirit, what God did was, He not only gave us abilities, He also gave us a new nature. He also gave us a what? A new nature. Because as sons, we are not only to represent Him in power, we are to represent Him in character. Just as Christ is lion and the lamb, we talks about the power, the gravitas, the rulership and the lion, then the meekness and humility, the sacrifice of the lamb. Both are representative of this church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. The church of the firstborn. So look at Galatians chapter 5. Talks about verse 22. Once the fruit of the spirit there, all right. Galatians 5 and 22. In verse 14, it says, walk in the spirit. All right, so then walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. But in, in 22, it says, okay, this I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the what? The loss of the flesh. So if you are having issues with walking in the flesh, fulfilling the loss of the flesh, it tells you that what you need to do is walk in the Spirit. Amen. Or you have a problem with um, sleeping around, walk in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit and fulfill the loss of the flesh at the same time. Glory to God. So for example... If you are someone that you are into gist, you are a gossipolo you are a gossipologist. Glory to God. You know, it's easy, you know, it's easy to gossip these days, right? It's so easy to gossip. With social media, it's easy to gossip. You know, a gossip is just a retweet away. All you just have to do is retweet, you know. That's how gossip is. So you find out that you no, know, most sometimes when you're sharing bad news, you're gossiping. How many of you know you're gossiping? You just don't realize this is a it's a modern way, a woke way to gossip. Because you didn't really say anything. Someone said something and all you had to do was what? Was retweet. Something bad or someone did something embarrassing and they, they're sharing the videos. You now want to retweet the videos. That's gossip. That's what it is. <laughs> Praise God. Have you noticed something? That folks like to spread. Bad news spreads fast. Sad news spreads fast. They killed and raped somebody. They spread it fast. You know, we like spreading things like that. Because that is the flesh. The flesh glories in bad things. But if it's a good thing that is happening, you need to promote it. <laughs> you need to promote it. Because when somebody says, it's so good, what's that? Nonsense. No. It must, it must be, I remember sometime, I went to the market. And I was, because I, I shop for family. So I went to buy things for Ogbono and soup. So there's this lady I buy things for Ogbono from. So there was, um, I buy okra from this one, then I buy Ogbono, you know, the people that say Ogbono, people that say Ogbono and stockfish and all those stuff, they are different, right? From the people that sell the okra. So I bought the okra from this one. So this woman had a daughter. So when I moved to where I stay, I, I told the daughter, I said, listen, you need to go to school. I told her, I said, you need to go to school. You need to make sure you give attention to, you know, your education and all. And so encourage them, you know, and all. So she's, she's in school now. But the other one failed jam. 
So the mother sent her to go and do fashion designing. She said, Mama, what is fashion designing? She said, maybe later I will try again. I said, see money for jam? She said, yeah. I said, okay, I'll pay for the jam. Let me pay for it. Go and do it, you know. Like, I'll pay for it, you know, and, and do it. So I said, okay, take my number. Call me and send me the account number. And, they, and I told the mom, mom, I told her I'll pay for the jam. Oh, don't take anything funny is going on, no. You know, I'll pay for your jam. But you know how this thing works. You know, it's a daughter, you know, and I'm a guy. So sometimes the mother will be thinking, oh, maybe something, you know, so nobody called. So I said, okay. So when I went the next time, I didn't say anything, you know, because in life, good things, we need promotion. Bad things doesn't need any promotion. So for example, for example, we are doing Pastor Femi's, you know, imagine for that we did OK now, and I say, oh, we're having a wonderful service tomorrow. It's going to be wonderful. The word, the spirit, and all. You have to promote it and to get views. You know, everybody wants to pay attention to that. Come on, that's boring stuff. Come on, the word and all. But let a scandal break. They put it like that, and they put the address of the church. The next Sunday, people will sit down. We want to hear what you will see in, in response to those allegations. You understand? Why? That is the flesh. The flesh is like that. Praise the Lord. So you are not in the flesh. You are what? In the spirit. It says walk in the spirit and you know fulfill lots of flesh. So what's the difference between you and David is that you see you now have righteous living as your new nature. David didn't have that. So you have righteous living as your nature and as your power so the spirit is your nature and is also your ability hallelujah glory to god is your nature and is your ability he says but the fruit of the spirit is what is love it's what joy is what peace is what long suffering is what gentleness is what goodness is what faith the next one is what meekness then is what Self-control against such there is what? No law. Praise God. I said praise God. I said praise God. So you see, when we now say this is who I am. So I have this ability, this new nature in me. This is my new nature. Hallelujah. New nature. So what am I supposed to do? I am supposed to express the new nature. Maybe next week we're going to talk about it now and I'll close with this. How I many of you remember that in Canaan, if Canaan was a promised land that the children of Israel were supposed to go to, how I many of you realize that in Canaan there were a lot of enemies there? So when they got to Canaan, they didn't just say, ah, yes, we got to the you know, land of milk and honey. Let's just. No. They got there and what did they do for several years? Fight. In fact, they are still fighting. Let's fight. You see, God there, this is our God, this is our amazing God. <laughs> Think about it. He said, he told somebody, he promised him, that I'll give you a land. Let me make on it's yours, man. Yes. Then that man passed it on to his generation. Then these ones were in, in Egypt. Then he goes there and sends Moses, we are going to a land. Let me make on it. All of them were expecting, ah, yes, it's our land. You understand? Now here's the funny thing. All the while, God was telling them about this wonderful land. He left out one important information. There are people on that land, though. The land is not vacant. <laughs> then that's all. It's not that there are people on the land. The people there, they are giants. 
Praise God. Think about it. You know Chinese people. I love Chinese people. Yes, but you know most Chinese people are not tall. They are short. Then you now give those ones a promise. All right, that they are going to possess a land. Then all the people in that land that they are possessing, all of them look like Margaret Jordan. Six foot seven, not thin, not not six foot something that is thin. No, they are six foot and they are muscular. I will not say the land is yours. Enter, possess. <laughs> possesses. So think about it. They go. We are going to promised land. And they, yes, it's our land. Woo! They were singing. Miriam was writing songs everywhere. And they say, the land is ours. The land is ours. They get to the border. And Moses says, good. All right, we're going to send fire. That should just give us a report about the land. They go in there. And they see the, these guys. Woo, boy. Are they going to just let us in? Like, or are we having to fight these dudes? Because, I mean, if, if, if they are, maybe they are, they are going to be our security guard for the land, I understand. But we're going to fight them? They go there, short spies. They're looking at ah, ah, Oh, boy, see, the guy's pectoralis muscles, his chest moved, and he felt the movement, like, yeah, God, what's going on here? And they come and say, yeah, the land is good, though. But Moses, you're a bastard. <laughs> you did not tell us that there are giants there. Praise God. So they get in there, they, they have to for the land. What is that telling you? When you get born again, you will still have to contend with your flesh. There's still going to be that battle with your flesh that you are supposed to now what? Exercise dominion over and subdue in the promised land. Praise the Lord. You're supposed to subdue in the promised land. The enemies they met in the promised land, that's the flesh. So no wonder Paul says, he said, for if you walk after the flesh, you shall what? Die. But if you through the spirit, what? Mortify the deeds of the body, you shall what? So he's using the analogy. So if you, the, the children of Israel, when they started walking after, like the, those folks, they met there, what happened to them? They went into captivity. They died. Glory to God. But when they chose to walk with the Lord, they were able to subdue their enemies. So if you walk after the flesh, you die. Glory to God. If you walk after the flesh, you will find yourself doing those things that you were delivered from. But if you through the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. You shall live what? Free of those things that you were delivered from. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Listen to me. The Spirit is your inheritance. Never value anything above the Spirit. I said what? Never value anything above the Spirit. Look at me. There is only one thing you will take away from this earth. One thing. When you, 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 you are separated from your body. There's only one thing. You're not going to take your body with you now. In fact, you're not going to even take your body, this body, in this state at all. So basically, you're not going to take anything from, you, from this earth when you leave this earth. The only thing that leaves this earth with you is the Spirit. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. Because He is the only one that is with you for what? Forever. So pay and give priority to the spirit 
Ketrin Kuman always talked about the Spirit. She would talk about the Spirit of God and the way she would talk about it. And you know, you no wonder she had such a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Because the lifeblood of, of ministry, the lifeblood of life is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He is the promised land. Hallelujah. He is what? He is the promised land. We have arrived there. So now, explore the promised land. Explore it. Praise God. Explore the length of the promised land. Explore the breadth. Explore the height. Explore the depth. Explore all that is in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. He had blessed us with all. So exploit, explore tongues, explore prophecy, explore uh, visions, explore the gifts of power, explore all of that. Don't just sit, those are God's spirit and do nothing. No, explore. 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 Manifest the glory of God everywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said manifest the glory of God everywhere. Create that glory. Hallelujah. Get into a place and produce the glory of God. And let people say, oh, there's something about the atmosphere. You are the atmosphere of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are the atmosphere of the Spirit. You carry the atmosphere inside you, produce it outside of you. Let it be tangible. Let it be manifested. Let people say, I came in contact with that presence because I came in contact with you. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Spirit, the Spirit. Amen. The Spirit. And one major way to express the presence of the Spirit of God within us is by speaking in tongues. Because speaking in tongues is the first sign, the very first sign, hallelujah, that the Spirit of God dwells in. How do we know that the Spirit of God dwells in a man? Tongues. You say, what about good behavior? Anybody can form good behavior. Glory to God. Everyone can form good behavior. Oh, I've met, I've read of monks that actually gave themselves to be burnt for a cause. Amen. I said, amen. They gave themselves to be burnt for a cause. Good behavior. Oh, I have the head of monks who have lived ascetic lives. They don't want the good things of life. They live in mountains and have one piece of clothing and stuff like that. Oh, nice and fuzzy. But you know, all right, that, it's not, you can't know a man has a spirit by that. The first way to know is by utterance. The first way we knew was by what? Utterance. Acts 2, verse 1, and verse 4. Verse 4 says, And they all began to speak with tongues, and what? Prophesy. They spoke in tongues. Glory to God. So when you speak in tongues, speak loud. For example, when you say, let's speak in tongues, some people would say, but they always understand. No, speak loud. Speak bold. Praise God. Then as you are speaking in tongues, in an atmosphere like this, expect to speak a new one. You know? Newer vocabulary. Glory to God. You're not speaking tongues. You've been speaking Rama Sokoto Rama Maria, Rama Sokoto Maria, Rama Sotoka Maria. Okay, let's thank God for Maria. Can we hear something else? 
Praise God. Maria, 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 Maria. Amen. Oh, yeah. Maria and what? Come on. You know, it's a direct. Glory to God. Go barungara. Zeko vraktila gromvos vredi. Lalom fra azibreheto. Bumvi, lavuki. Zando remeto. Ilekote. Zungramina sula. Yalakrepeto. You know, let your tongues inspire somebody else to speak in tongues. You know, do you know the times when you're speaking in tongues and somebody else who has been speaking, you know, you know, struggling, the gift has not yet found the expression. As you are speaking in tongues, the fire burning, hallelujah, on your inside, we ignite it in somebody else. So when we come to church, it's an opportunity to what? To impart each other. Don't be speaking in tongues like somebody that has a cold. Speak in tongues loud. Give expression. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give expression. Because listen, as you're speaking in tongues, you are demonstrating one glorious fact. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Jesus is glorified. I'm the proof that Jesus is risen. I'm the proof that Jesus is alive. Because if Jesus wasn't alive, I wouldn't be able to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Come on, rise up on your feet and talk in other tongues. You have just listened to a message by Rev. Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.